Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Chalk Dinosaur Podcast. With me, John O'Halloran, your host, and today, um, doing a recap of uh, 2021. Milestones, challenges, aspirations for 2022. I just wanted to take uh, an episode to kind of go back and kind of see what happened in 2021 for Chalk Dinosaur and uh, for me, personally. Um, almost as a uh, journalistic entry type of thing. Sometimes, you know, that the year just blew by and it's, it's a blur. Um, kind of same with 2020 is a blur. I often find myself thinking back to certain events and like totally being disoriented as in when they actually happen, like based on when COVID happened. Um, it's almost like, yeah, 2020 and 2021 have been very weird years and, um, really blurred together for me. But, um, yeah, 2021, uh, it, I feel like it's, it's easy with, uh, that blurry, recollection and blurry experience of the, the past two years um, to forget and, you know, not acknowledge some of the things that happened. Um, so the first thing that happened in 2021 was I uh, moved, moved into a new place in the suburbs of Pittsburgh in um, North Allegheny, Wexford to be precise, which is right down the road from my high school. And that has been great, not having uh, a shared wall. No offense to my old neighbors, PJ and Madison. They were great neighbors, by the way. Um, but, you know, whenever you're not sharing a wall, you know, I can play drums and not feel guilty that someone's over there trying to watch TV or something and, you know, we're disturbing them so yeah moved into the suburbs got a little more space to kind of set up my music station and it's been great because now my studio and the place where we practice for shows just like all of my musical stuff is in one place now where before in Southside it was split between two places. There was a live rehearsal room where, you know, half of my gear was, and then there was my home studio where, you know, the other half of my gear was. So that got a little bit cumbersome. And also, you know, having to pay an additional rent for, uh, for a room like that was not ideal. Unfortunately, it is further away from everybody else so it's it's probably well no it, it's definitely more of an inconvenience for everybody else to practice um because it's probably i don't know a good 40 45 minutes away from john um but i feel pretty fortunate that you know we put in a lot of practice when we had the rehearsal room in Southside which was much more centrally located. Um, we put a lot of practice in like learning the songs and building a pretty good bass. So recently I've felt 
a lot more competent after a lot fewer practices, which has been really nice. And um, even with uh, transition and bass player, uh, Michael Berger, he's just learns everything really quickly and just is super good. So it's um, still been working out. Um, hopefully the lower frequency of practices will, you know, hopefully it's not too draining on uh, everybody in regards to the commute. But um, I feel like we're doing a good job with the amount that we're getting together and um, yeah, it's just been nice living here. Um, there were not a lot of shows in 2021, but there were some very significant shows. Um, I mean, Farm Jam Alama in, in July, that was the first show we had played in about, I think, 18 months, something like that, in front of an audience. So that was, uh, that was a significant show and farm jam Alamo was a really awesome time as usual and there were fewer people there they limited the capacity but it it didn't feel like it when you were playing in the barn when you were watching a show um but it definitely felt like it in terms of the amount of space like camping space that there was so anyway it was it was great i'm really glad that we were able to do that and after not playing for 18 months, I, I'm already like a pretty, I get pretty nervous um, and like a little bit anxious and stressed about playing shows. Um, so especially after 18 months, not really having a lot of, you know, kind of getting rusty. Um, I was a, a bit nervous about that one. And I remember having a dream before Farm Jam Alama. And it was one of those dreams where you're you're you find yourself in a situation that you're very unprepared for. I don't it sounds like a lot of people have these. Um my dream was not music related, but in my dream I was at this like fighting tournament and I was I was going to be one of the matches like I was participating. And so like 15 minutes before my match was about to start, I realized that I've never trained in any fighting. I have no idea what I'm doing and I'm going to get killed. But then I also, you know, was like, well, I, I can't back out. Like it'll be disgraceful or, or something like that. So, I woke up before that dream, you know, before I had to actually fight or do anything. It was just more so just uh, went to the point of feeling uh, that kind of fear and anxiety, and then I woke up. But anyway, Farm Jam Malama went great. Um, and after that, uh, we got to play the workout, which was a really big deal for me and Nick. Um, we played that one as a two-piece, just me and Nick, because it was kind of a late request, and um, 
not everybody in the band was available. But fortunately, me and Nick were able to still play as a duo, and we were the last set of the festival. It was 2.45 a.m. on Saturday night, so technically Sunday morning. And I kind of figured, you know, people would be kind of taking it easy that night because they have to go home and go back to regular life the next day. Um, but it was, there was like hundreds of people still up at that time, like at the set, going hard, really enthusiastic. And it was like a full house. It was amazing. And I mean, I guess from my past experiences at workout, that that has been my experience like people don't people go hard the whole time but it was just you know 245 on saturday like i i feel like i've only been awake at a show at the workout like one time um because i'm usually like asleep <laughs> because i'm thinking about oh, i gotta go home tomorrow so that was really cool and that was a great introduction to uh, Rob Chafin, who is the drummer and founder of The Works and the Workout Music Festival. He's the talent buyer for Legend Valley, and he runs a music venue in Columbus. So after that show, he booked us to come out to Columbus, the duo, and that was another milestone of 2021. We, we got to play in Columbus for the first time opening for a band called La Special, who is seems to be kind of on fire right now. Uh, they've got a lot of a lot of buzz, a lot of momentum, and that show was sold out. Um, so it was amazing. We got to play in front of a sold out crowd and everybody was really supportive and encouraging, enthusiastic. It was super nice. Like I couldn't have asked for a better first show in a new city that was amazing um and the other band was biomassive which is interesting because we've actually played with them before they're from michigan and the one other time we've played an out-of-town show when we played in chicago in 2019 uh, biomassive was one of the bands we played with but yeah it was awesome there was a lot of people like from workout and that scene at the show in Columbus and a lot of them knew about Chalk Dinosaur or listened to Chalk Dinosaur I was very surprised in a very positive way um, that people had heard Chalk Dinosaur some people came out specifically to see us um, you know there was a little buzz which was a very pleasant surprise but anyway, that went great, and we're going to go back in February with the full band, and I'm really excited about that because I feel like after our last Pittsburgh show went really well, I feel like we're all feeling pretty good with all the music. I feel like we can really uh, deliver a really tight, engaging show, and I feel like it's going to be, uh, I, I feel like it'll be well-received and the crowd is super receptive and and um rob was saying that he's expecting this event to sell out as well 
So that would be amazing. Then after the workout, um, I played at Summer Dance, which is the Lotus curated music festival in Ohio at Nelson Ledges. And for this show, they specifically requested just a straight-up DJ set, so I didn't have any instruments. All I was doing was just mixing a set, like playing Chalk Dinosaur music. It was a little weird for me because I'm not... It's such a foreign world and foreign, like, skill and art for me, like, DJing. Um, I really don't feel like I know what I'm doing or necessarily do a good job at it but anyway I did it and you know the response was really great even though I was a little worried that you know people might be I don't know uh, like I was worried that people would be expecting a band or they'd be expecting either a band or me to be playing something like not just a straight up DJ set but um no the response was still really good I had a lot of people say that, you know, they really enjoyed it. It was one of their favorite sets, etc. It was really nice. There was a lot of a lot of love that weekend. And even cooler than just getting to play a set was uh I got to sit in during one of the Lotus sets and we did like uh we played a cover. It was a Commodore's cover called Machine Gun. And then that's only a two minute song. So we played the song and then went into like a, you know, an extended improvisational jam, which was really cool just to be able to, well, one, like be on stage with them and kind of like hear what it sounds like up there and see what it looks like out, you know, in the summer dance festival crowd. Cause that was a, I think that was a sold out festival this year. So it was it was really cool to get to kind of see a show from their perspective and also get to improvise with them um, because their music has been like one of the big influences in my musical development and like um, how I jam and how I play and it's really been very influential. Um, and I've had like a lot of really great memories at Lotus shows. So it was very special and I was very flattered that they would, uh, ask me to sit in with them. So that was, that was a really, that was a really cool moment. <clears throat> yeah. What other shows do we have? Um, the, the two Pittsburgh shows we played this year were both really great. The first one was in August at the Thunderbird with a band from Central PA called Yam Yam. And, you know, that was the first Pittsburgh show we'd played in a very long time. Maybe, I don't know, two years or something. Pretty crazy. It didn't feel like it had been that long, but it had been a long time. And the turnout was great. It was it was really great. And the crowd was pumped. And, um, you know, I feel like we played a good set. Um, so that was really, that was a really good first show back in Pittsburgh. And then we played, uh, again, several months later, ju just recently in December, 
at the Thunderbird again. And this time it was an all local show. So it was Chalk Dinosaur with our friends, Shaq Nicholson, who I uh, mixed and mastered their album. And also just we've jammed with them a whole lot, just uh, not like at shows, but like at summer dance and at um, just like at their practice space. Just like um, pretty pretty integral to uh, my musical world in, in Pittsburgh. And I've always wanted us to play a show together. And finally, we, we got it. And it happened to be the last show ever for their singer, um, Sarah Jane Kirkland. So I guess the timing was good. Like it, it had to have been then or, you know, never would have well there's still a band but it you know would uh it was just extra significant i guess since their singer was uh was leaving and then extra special uh michael berger uh who plays bass for the chalk dinosaur band now um his former band the clock reads who disbanded in 2020 like January 1st, 2020, I think that was their last performance. And then a couple of them have been like traveling and moved around and stuff. But um, this was like a reunion show for them. So uh, the two guitar players were back in town for the holidays or, or something. I don't know if it was for the holidays, but they were vi- they were in Pittsburgh. And yes, and they, they decided to get back together and play a show and it was great i recorded all of the sets and i i've posted the chalk dinosaur set i finished uh mixing the clock reads set and i sent that to michael so it'll be up to them for when they want to post that um but it sounded really good That, that was a really great set i had a lot of fun and it it was very enjoyable to work on that mixing that set because they're they're just uh such a good band they're all such good musicians and so cognizant of how cognizant of like the larger picture of their sound it seems like it's hard to describe but they they just seem like such a mature band when I'm listening to the recording because um, their sense of space and their sense of like what their sense of like space and energy and like how they're all fitting together is really good. I don't know a better way to explain that might be like they almost self mix. Well, every band self-mixes to a degree. You know, like whenever one guitar player is doing a guitar solo, the other guitar player is doing a rhythm part and maybe like playing quieter so that they don't cover up the person who is doing like a solo or a melody or something. And the clock reads were really good at that. Like on a macro level, like between the two guitar players, like their, their parts meshed so well together. Um, in terms of like, you know, the person playing the rhythm guitar, they're so good at doing like sparse 
sparse parts. So like, it's not a constant like, you know, it's like, it's very sparse. And then the person who's doing lead is just, you can hear them really well. And, and then sometimes they, they meet up and they do harmonized stuff. And, um, I don't know. Yeah. The the guitar players like mixed themselves very well in terms of their balance. And a lot of that comes down to the, the arrangement, uh, like the songwriting, um, just like how each guitar player is playing their part. So the rhythm guitar was always perfectly sparse. Um, the lead guitar was always very audible and it's very hard to kind of describe this, but and then another thing I noticed was the drummer, Steve, who's amazing. Um, like he self mixes his drums really well. And what I mean by that is like, like he plays with so much dynamics and so much touch in his, um, how he hits the drums. Like the cymbals were like the perfect volume. Like a lot of times, like it's difficult to mix drums because the cymbals are too loud or like, um, I don't know, just like the relationship of all of his drums and the way he was hitting them and the cymbals was all just like really balanced. And, um, yeah, it was very pleasurable thing to work on because it was just, they're so good. And they're such a, such like a, they have such like a mature, uh, style so that was cool. And then I sent I sent the recording to Shaq Nicholson. I hadn't mixed it or anything because um, I think Steve might do that. But um, Chalk Dino is available on YouTube and SoundCloud if you uh, are interested in hearing it. And the clock reads, hopefully, you know, I'm sure they'll release it at some point, but I can't uh, speak for them when that'll be. So those were the live milestones of 2021. And now I want to uh, go over the recorded milestones, um, like the, the music that I, um, that I made. Um, the first thing was I released an album called Fire on the Beach, which was a seven-song album that was, um, was inspired by like the beach and that kind of vibe and also my girlfriend Alyssa uh, she had gifted me um, a ukulele and a steel drum so I was excited to see what might come out of writing some music around the tones of those instruments and that's at least how it started and then you know led to a lot of different places that I didn't expect. Like it ended up getting more like hard rocky, not hard rock, but it ended up, you know, there's a lot of like very high energy guitar solos and stuff. And it, I wasn't expecting that, but, um, it started with like, you know, steel drum, ukulele, like chill beach. And then some of them just naturally wanted to, uh, be more the more powerful than that i guess but anyway um i was real happy with 
with that album, I feel like it's it's very unique um, versus you know the the rest of the discography. And I, uh, it's the only album I released this year, which I would have liked to have released more music, but you know that was that was the one album, and I'm I'm happy with it. I feel like I'm pretty loaded. Um, so I think 2022, like loaded with ideas. So I feel like 2022 could see a lot more releases. Hopefully that's what I'm going to try to do anyway. But just because that was the only album I released, um, that, that isn't necessarily representative of the music, all the music that I had have done. Um, because this year I did a few things for, Starcade Arcade, which is an independent video game, like virtual reality video game studio in Texas. And I've been working with them since 2020, 2019 or 2020, I think it's 2020. And, um, it's great. I'm like, uh, I'm like one of their go-to composers for stuff they're working on so i got to do a couple of those and those are always really fun uh one of them was the starcade arcade theme song they had an idea they wanted like a a song for their company and um they gave me a a brief uh we i think we had a call and they described kind of what they what they wanted um and that was in a nutshell, like a modern eighties type of aesthetic. And then, um, Alex, one of the, uh, founders, um, he had some lyrical ideas that he sent and I went from there. That's on the, uh, that's on Spotify. That's also on SoundCloud. Um, and then, so they have this game. They have this game called Virus Popper, and I did uh, the theme song for that. And this year they added some. They added an expansion pack, uh, Virus Popper Reopen, and they had a couple new levels that they wanted uh, music for. So I did. I did one song called Club Jazz, which is the name of one of the new levels. It's like the hangout for the bad guys in the video game. It's like where they go to blow off some steam. And that was really fun. They they sent me some graphics of like what the world looked like and um it was like a it was like a planet <clears throat> with all the little bad guys hanging out with their big googly eyes and then like a bunch of speaker stacks all over the place. It looked I was excited to that that was like my instruction was like they just showed me the visual they said we need music for this place <laughs> that was really fun that's also on spotify or soundcloud club jazz if you search for starcade arcade um you'll find this stuff not everything on their profile is by me but the stuff that is by me um it it would say chalk dinosaur uh, under the artist, I'd be listed as like a, a, 
an artist with Starcade Arcade. And then I made one more. Um, one of the other levels, new levels on their game was this beach level. And they were, they were like, we, we are looking for like an Ibiza beach party clubby like um type of thing so um i was excited to try that and i that one's called take my shot which is play on words um because you know you want to take your shot in life to have the life you want to live and you know, be the person you want to be and, you know, like taking risks and pursuing your aspirations, that kind of taking your shot. But in a literal sense, it, it was about, you know, get the vaccine kind of thing because the game is about popping viruses, stopping the virus. That one was a lot of fun. And the common theme for all of, all of these Starcade Arcade songs is the use of the vocoder for the vocals um, because they they really like that sound in Star Blazer, the Chalk Dinosaur song, and that's how they found me. And so almost every song I've done for them since then uses the vocoder for vocals. And uh, it's always a fun challenge to try to come up with lyrics that fit the themes of their games. It's been uh, really creatively stimulating and I hope to do more of that um, in the future so for all of the stuff I've done for Starcade Arcade I think there might be five five or six songs now they're all on Spotify on the Starcade Arcade profile you can also hear them on the Chalk Dinosaur SoundCloud page Oh yeah, another release, music release, that I was involved in that was significant for me was uh, Luke the Knife, who is Luke Miller from Lotus. He's the guitar player, keyboard player. He released his first solo album called Disco Nap in June, and um, I collaborated on a few of the, those tracks with him which was really cool because like I mentioned before, Lotus has been a big influence musically for me. And I've, I've, they mean uh, a lot to me just since I've had so many great experiences to their music and being at their shows. And um, it was really cool just to get to work uh, with, with one of them. So on his album, the first track I collaborated on hit him with the boogie I think I, I do some vocoder in that talk box. Uh, Beware, I collaborated on that. That's the second track. Bounce It, track number five. I I did something in that. And um, that was it. But anyway, that was really cool to, to be able to, you know, work with one of the people who has inspired and influenced me. And... Um, over the summer, I was doing these Instagram videos. I was trying to do them every day. I, I, I probably did it maybe four, four times a week for the month of June or July or something. Maybe it was June. 
I was just trying to be regular. I was like, let's see what happens if I keep making these. And um, eventually I, I got, I got uh, to collaborate on a video with Eli Winderman or Winderman, who is the keyboard player of Dopapod, my favorite modern keyboard player, maybe my favorite keyboard player ever. Um, always loved his playing and his style and his tones. And uh, I sent him some drums with a little like rhythm guitar thing. And I was like, because I saw that he was making videos too. And I'm like, you know, you want to add to this and make a video out of it? And uh, he did. It was awesome. That was like a really cool thing for me just to be able to collaborate creatively on something with, uh, you know, another one of my musical heroes. Um, yeah, a couple other milestones from 2021. Um, I started doing this, I, I, I got a new job, um, which I'm an independent contractor. So I do music production work for, and like composing work for, you know, that video game company, um, for Vanacore and Burnett Music, who are music libraries that, um, you know, provide music for different shows, TV shows and stuff. And then, um, but you know, it's always very sporadic, like when these things are going to be available for me to do. So it's, I'm always thinking about like, where's my next work going to come from. And, um, I got a new one from the same guy who referred me to the Vanacore and Burnett music library work like the same guy who hooked me up with that job he texted me one day and he was like uh, it, his name is Steve Sabosley he's the uh, founder of Punchline Pittsburgh pop punk band and I, I played in one of his bands um, Blue of Colors uh, back in 2011 ish 2012 and um, he just he knows a lot of people um and one of his friends was looking for producers and so he referred me and it was a karaoke track business so this person worked for a it was like a karaoke music library so basically the job was he would give me a song you know he would watch the charts and, you know, any of the number one songs of like that day or that week, um, he would be trying to get karaoke versions of that made. I guess it, I guess it's like if you get it done first, then, you know, you have a better chance of licensing them or selling them or whatever. I'm not exactly sure how the business side of that works, but so I, I did that for a little bit and, um, so he would just send me the song <clears throat> and then what I would do, like he would send me the reference. He'd be like, all right, we, we're doing this one. And then I would, um, the first thing I needed to do was map out the song. So I would bring the song into Logic, which is the program I use. And then I would put markers in for like intro, verse one, chorus one, post-chorus one, verse, chorus, bridge, you know, I would like map out all the sections of the song 
And then I would send that to him, which then he would send that over to whoever was going to be doing the vocals for the song, because I guess they needed vocals to make like a demo so they could sell it. I, I I'm assuming. And then, and then I would get to work just like recreating the track as closely as I could. So that was, um, you know, that was pretty easy for, you know, like rap songs or pop songs that had a very repetitive loop, uh, like a loop based pop song, but it was extremely painstaking for anything that had like live instrumentals or, um, things that weren't so loop oriented that had a lot of variation and, uh, nuance that was, it actually kind of started to drive me crazy. And, uh, I found myself feeling, um, just, uh, kind of angry, like while I was doing it because like just very annoyed and frustrated. Um, and I kind of, it kind of felt like, um, like a data entry job is what I thought of. Like there's not really any creativity involved. It's just using the technical side and I'm just copying like, uh, and it was actually, it took longer and it was harder than just making a new original piece of music because I had to, you know, find a snare drum that sounded like the one in the song. And then I had to, you know, try to reproduce all these little like, production effects and stuff it was, it was very tedious so I, I don't know I think I did about 10 or 12 of those and um, it wasn't it didn't pay very well for the amount of time um, I think it was like 100 I ended up getting like 115 bucks for a track so like it worked in a pinch like the good thing was there was I could work I, there was as many as I could do like they always needed stuff. So I could do that, but it was honestly so tedious and frustrating that I feel like I would rather work at like a gas station or do do some other job before um you know doing that. Uh so I stopped doing that and that kind of got me thinking like I feel like I need to try to come up with some other ways to um, kind of bolster my income because the the work with Vanacore and Burnett, like the TV composing stuff is very sporadic. I never know when I'm going to get it. I never know how much I'm going to get. There's always uncertainty as to whether or not like I'll be able to make ends meet with that income. So I was just looking for other ways to generate an income. So I started a sample pack company uh, in 2021 this fall called Chalk Sonics and released a couple sample packs so far. Because, um, like, as a music producer on Instagram, that's, like, a lot of the content I look at. So I started getting all these targeted ads for these companies selling their sample packs. I ended up buying some of them. Um, and it, it wasn't all, like, big company sample packs. A lot of them were 
made by, you know, small independent companies or individuals even. Um, so it started to seem like, you know, I felt like I could make that product. I could make uh, good, good and useful sample packs for producers to use. And for anyone that's not a, a music producer, a sample pack is just a, it's like a digital product. It's just a folder that's full of different sounds. Like whenever I'm making a piece of music that doesn't have like an acoustic recorded drum set, you know, whenever I'm making a beat that's a little more electronic, or if you're making like a hip hop beat, you're going to be using samples, drum samples. So like if you buy a sample pack, it's got, you know, 10 different snare drum sounds in it and, you know, 10 different kick drum sounds. And part of being like a fast and efficient producer, they seem to always, you know, they've got their sample libraries kind of figured out and groomed and um, they kind of just have identified and accumulated samples that, you know, reliably work well for their style of music. So it's really important for producers to have good samples. And, um, you know, that, that also goes for like, not just drums, but, um, you know, percussion loops and melodic instruments too. Like, uh, there's all different kinds of stuff, but you know, little like vocal effects, like with a bunch of reverb on it or like, you know, little synthesizer um, arpeggios or something like just uh, little like building blocks like Legos for producers to use. And um, anyway, so I felt like I should at least try that because I know I can make a useful product and I figured, you know, the hard part would be selling it and, you know, trying to do that part of it and you know that was that turned out to be very true like I I feel like I made a, a really good drum pack um and then I I started it took a lot longer a lot more work than I was expecting and it, it was very consumed my life was very consumed with that for a little for a little bit for a few weeks or a month and um you know setting up the website creating the artwork creating the demo tracks creating the videos and then there was the whole side of like promoting your company and like trying to get more visibility, not only for your product, but like for your store, like your online store. So I started an Instagram and a Facebook and a YouTube and a TikTok and um, was, it, it takes a lot of time to create content for all of those channels. Um, cause, and, cause they're all different. Like TikTok is, is short videos with the vertical orientation, like Instagram short videos, but you can also post longer videos and pictures. So like the strategies are different for both of those. And I haven't really quite figured out how to do that and like stay on top of that yet. Um, YouTube is, is good for longer videos, like tutorials, more in depth slower paced videos. Um, but you know, YouTube now is also doing shorts, which is basically what TikTok is doing and what Instagram reels is doing. So figuring out the best way to do that has been difficult. And 
I, th- I think like from what I'm gathering, like it's better to put more into one platform that's working for you than to try to do all of the platforms. So I'm not sure yet which one would be best. Uh, so far, I mean, from my own experience, Instagram is where I learn about a lot of these sample pack products. And um, so I should probably focus on that mostly. But um, yeah, I found it very time consuming and, and difficult to keep up with creating videos regularly. You know, they say you should put one up like every day and that is very tough. Um, but yeah, so I kind of like, after I released a couple products and made some videos, I kind of like got consumed after that with some shows we had coming up and some performances and chalk dinosaur stuff. So I, I kind of stopped doing that and I haven't gotten back to it, but, um, I'm working on a new sample pack now and going to try to, uh, once I release that, I'll release a flurry of, uh, demo videos trying to, you know, sell the value of that product. And, um, also talked to some other people and they, one person in particular, um, suggested who also makes sample packs um suggested that shopping it around to sample labels might be a good idea because these sample labels they they take care of all the promotion and they they have the platform to sell it and you just make the product um and then they you know they have it on their store which is visible to all their followers etc etc so and I have not looked into that yet or like sent it out at all. I, I kind of just like completely put it on the back burner for a little bit. But um, yeah, I definitely want to keep keep going with that because I feel like once I get a, a good library of, you know, sample packs and tools, uh, once I get some kind of audience, it, it, could, uh, it could be significant. And um, it's also the kind of thing that I feel like the more popular Chalk Dinosaur gets, the more potential there would be to sell those products to other producers that, you know, might like Chalk Dinosaur music and how it sounds. And vice versa, you know, if the sample packs happen to get more popular than Chalk Dinosaur, then, you know, some of those people might be interested in, you know, what the creator of the sample packs, like what their music sounds like, so could potentially, you know, be a synergistic thing if I could get either one of them rolling. So in addition to that, I also set up a new merch store for Chalk Dinosaur um, on Threadless. It's uh, chalkdinosaur.threadless.com. And um, this is a different model that I haven't tried yet and seems promising to me because it's like a print-to-order company. So whenever somebody orders something, like I load my designs and the products that I want them on, and then whenever somebody orders something, I don't, I'm don't. i not holding any inventory. Like whenever somebody wants to order a Chalk Dinosaur shirt, this company, they print it, and then they ship it, and then they collect you know, they collect the money and they send it to me. Um, so the, the profit margins are smaller, but I don't have to handle any inventory, uh, which is nice because 
I don't know, it's hard to estimate how many of each size is going to sell. And, you know, I, I have some inventory to sell at shows, but for people that aren't at shows or, um, it just seemed like a good thing to have, a, have exist. Um, and also I could put my designs on a lot more products than I could do if I was actually physically ordering all of this inventory. So hopefully that works out, but it's nice being able to like put up all my designs from, from over the years and have those available to people. The only thing that's, I'm not crazy about is the fact that I don't get to see any of these before they go to the customer. So the, the quality control is a bit more of a risk because I'm, I'm not seeing these products. They're just going straight to the customer. But the good thing is with this company Threadless, they've got really great customer service. So if there's any merch that you is defective or doesn't fit right, um, there's just like a no hassle replacement policy where you just email them, you know, I actually need a large and they just send it to you. You don't have to return the old thing or anything. So that's promising. But anyway, that's one of those things that's like, I wanted to have that in place in case at some point in the future, Chalk Dinosaur is uh, more popular. You know, there, there will be that avenue for people to support uh, the band. And so I, I thought that took a lot more time as well. That and the sample pack took a, a lot of time uh, to, to get those set up. But they are now, so they're ready to be used. Um, and I just have to you know, get on that. Another cool thing in 2021 was that um, Pseudo Dudo did some Chalk Dinosaur designs and they're awesome and I haven't released all of them yet. One of them's available on a t-shirt. One of them was an album cover for Fire on the Beach. But I've always loved his work and wanted to, you know, do some, have him do some designs uh, for albums or merch or anything um, so that was really cool. And I've got to give a big shout out to my girlfriend, Alyssa, because, um, as a gift to me for one of our anniversaries, she hired Pseudo Dudo to do some design work for Chalk Dinosaur. Thank you, Alyssa, for that. And, uh, while I'm on the subject here, um, I also need to thank Alyssa for throwing me a birthday party, which I hadn't had a birthday party with a bunch of people, like with a bunch of friends in maybe decades. Um, so yeah, that was a, that was a great way to close out 2021. Um, yeah, just like almost everybody that I'm friends with was there. It was crazy. I did not expect all of those people to come and, um, she just like organized and kind of put that all together without me knowing about it for a while. I eventually, um, she eventually told me about it, but um, yeah, that was, that was cool. Recorded some jams, the jam sessions that night and um, yeah, it all went very well and it was, it was really great to see all of these people and I was uh, pretty touched that like all these people actually, you know, spent their Saturday night um, or yeah, over at our house. So thank you to anyone who came out for that. 
meant a lot. That's pretty much, you know, th- those are the main milestones of 2021. And, uh, you know, 2021 had a few challenges as well. Um, one of them was uh, back issues, like physical back issues at Farm Jam. Well, like for, for a few years, like I've kind of had just chronic aching low back pain from sitting, I think, sitting so much. Um, and then in July at Farm Jam, I don't even know what happened. I didn't, I didn't like, there was no specific moment where I was like, ah, my back. But like after we got there and set up the camp, like my back just completely locked up and I was unable to bend forward like at all. I had to remain completely upright or like completely laying down. I couldn't bend forward at all. So that made that show very challenging just to get set up and play the set and just like not bend forward at all. And, um, you know, that didn't get better after that. Um, and then after a couple weeks and it wasn't getting better, uh, then I went to physical therapy and then over the course of the next like month or two, it, uh, started to get better and then seemed to go back to the way it was before, um, probably in in sometime in the fall. But, you know, over the course of that period, that was, that created some other challenges, just like mental health, just like it's kind of depressing to have, uh, something like that kind of impeding my ability to work the way I wanted to, like to be able to sit down for like a long session, like producing or recording or something like I couldn't do that. So that was, that was a little bit, uh, of a downer, but, um, it did get, it did get better. And now it's just back to the way it was before, which is kind of just like, you know, if I sit for too long, it's just like hurts. Um, but not in the same way where I, I'm completely limited in mobility and then you know other mental health challenges are just kind of a constant ebb and flow of of uh insecurity and feelings of inadequacy just with career progress um financial status uh you know even physical um just insecurity and feelings of inadequacy that's kind of like kind of just comes and goes um and i feel like saying that stuff out loud it it kind of seems and sounds uh self-centered so i guess it would be a good aspiration to kind of be thinking less about that kind of stuff like less about myself more about other people more about what i can do for other people less about like my own personal insecurities but you know and the truth is that is uh that is a challenge at times but i also feel that there's you know a lot of truth to the thought that you need to have yourself and your own mind squared away before you're able to put forth your best in your relationships and your career 
um, in all aspects of your life. Your foundation is, you know, your own mind and your, your sense of self there. So, you know, it's the whole airplane oxygen mask analogy. Even if the bags are not inflated, oxygen is still flowing. Please knock over any children in your way to ensure that you get the oxygen mask on your face, no matter how many people you have to trample to get there. So I think, uh, I think in 2022, the things I want to do in terms of Chalk Dinosaur are, I want to release more music than I did last year. Um, I want to keep developing the, the full band music. Like I'd like to get an album together with, with the other three members of the band, like to write something with them. Um, I'd like to get more financial independence. So via, you know, the sample pack company or something that I have more control over than my work with the Vanacore, Burnett, uh, Starcade, Arcade, like these things that come in randomly that I have no control over. I would like to make some steps towards being a little more self-sufficient with that. And then, um, I'd like to reprioritize kind of my mental grounding and mental health. And I mean, I, I feel like I've experienced the best way for me to do that is to prioritize daily exercise, daily journaling, daily meditation. And yeah, I mean, those three things go a really long way for me. So what, what day is it today? It's, it's Friday, January 7th, as I'm recording this. And yeah, so for seven days, you know, started off 2022 good. Um, I've been doing all of those things pretty much every day. I might have missed a day of meditation. But I've been doing that. I've been waking up early, going to bed early, haven't been drinking alcohol. Um, and it's it it's always feels really good to me to be on that schedule just because I, I get so much more working time and I, I just feel a little bit less stressed about the amount I want to get done or the things I need to do because, you know, I've just got so much more time in front of me um, rather than going to bed late, waking up late, same amount of time, same amount of waking hours, but the difference being a lot of those are unproductive hours if I'm going to bed late. But yeah, it's been great. And I'd like to continue prioritizing, you know, mental health, physical health, and then the kind of lifestyle that's conducive to productivity, which is going to bed early, waking up early, not uh, drinking too much. And, you know, I'd like to prioritize my flexibility, mobility, and um, just got a standing desk, a birthday present from my parents. This, uh, it's like a motorized, adjustable sit-stand desk. Pretty excited about that because it allows me to work and stand. And, you know, I feel like that in combination with 
you know, stretching and exercise, I could make a lot of progress this year with nagging back pain issues um, that are caused from, you know, sitting so much. So I'm pretty excited about that. I think another thing I would like to get figured out in 2022 is my data storage and backup system. Um, For the past 10 years, I've been using external hard drives. I would get two of them every year. One of them is my primary hard drive, and the other one would be a backup of that drive. And I had a scare recently, like two days ago, where um, I was having issues with the drives disconnecting, like during transfer, which is, you know, supposedly very not good. And um, so I was trying to back up my hard drive, and it, it kept like ejecting during the transfer. And that was frightening because I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what effect that would have on the hard drive. And I was also hearing this clicking sound coming from one of the drives. And from everything I've read, that is like a very bad sign and is often an indication that your drive is going to fail. So that was a very scary time, just the thought of losing uh, the work I've done recently because I hadn't not backed it up. I hadn't backed it up in a little while. Um, And I've been making a lot of progress on this next album recently. And I've been, you know, kind of really just like plowing through it. And the thought of losing that was uh, very scary. Good news, though, I plugged the hard drives directly into my computer and they worked fine. So that led me to believe that the problem was with the USB hub that I'm using. And it's supposed to have power plenty of power from the computer. I don't know. I'm, I'm just getting a little frustrated with the USB hubs, trying to find a good USB hub that's solid. I feel like I've been through several and they always end up like flaking out on me. So um, I think a more robust at-home storage system would be uh, nice. And I feel like I've got some leads on uh, a good way to do that. I think uh, one of the things I might try for my next set of hard drives is to get internal hard drives like the kind that you would put directly in a computer, naked drives, and then get a dock and plug those into the dock. And the reason I thought about this was because I saw a video where somebody was explaining that, you know, at least half of all hard drive failures are because of this one connection point called the SATA bridge. And, you know, that that ex- that's what connects the hard drive to the USB port. And... Every external drive has one of those, and a lot of times that's what fails. So if I use a dock and two internal, you know, naked drives, the uh, internal hard drives, they don't have the SATA bridge. The SATA bridge would be in the dock, and the dock is very cheap. It's like 25 35 bucks. So if there was a problem with that component of the system, it would be easy to replace and cheaper to replace than to get a new drive or to have to, like, do a data retrieval service or something. Um, So it's more of like a component, like if there's a point of failure, it'd be easier to swap out. This is also appealing to me because these internal drives, the ones without the enclosures, are you can get a lot more space for the same amount of money. So for 150 bucks, I could get eight terabytes, which would be amazing because then I I could back up everything that I have on one drive and, you know, have, you know, a redundancy of that one drive. But I could have it all in one place 
all on a new drive. Because right now, all my stuff from like 2012, 2013, it's it's spread across, you know, like six different drives from that time, from those, you know, three years surrounding that year. Um, so it's kind of just getting a little out of control uh, and it'd be nice to consolidate. And then the other system, the next step, I think would be the something called a NAS system, which I've, I really am pretty ignorant about, but I'm, I'm trying to learn, but it's like a, it's kind of a similar idea. You've got like a bay of, you know, say four internal hard drives. Um, and you can, you could just like, it's more scalable. Like you could add more drives if you need more space. And it also has some kind of, you know, intelligent, uh, redundancy features like cloning, or you could even set it to like enhance your data transfer speed as opposed to creating mirrors or redundancy. Um, anyway, the NAS system, it also has some benefits because, uh, you, you set up like a network so you could access these hard drives from any computer, you know, in your network, or even if you were somewhere in another location and just connected online, you could access your files and yeah, I don't know. I've been, it seems like, I don't know much about it, but I, I, um, uh, it seems like it could be a good next step solution for a more robust data storage and backup plan at home. I still would need to do the cloud service to have a backup in a offsite location, but for at-home storage, it seems a little cleaner, seems a little more robust, and hopefully, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I'll probably end up forgetting about it, like, <laughs> until I have another problem, but we'll see. Okay, that's the end of my long and boring talk about hard drive stuff. But if you have any comments or information that you'd like to share or any questions you'd like to ask, email them to chalkdinosaurpodcast at gmail.com. Um, yeah, anything you'd want me to address on the podcast. Happy 2022 to everyone and hope you have a great year. <laughs>